Should be good. Okay. Uh, welcome everybody to the October mid-month planning commission meeting. I'm going to turn it over to Drew for rules of the hybrid meeting. Good morning. My name is Drew Bilby, planner, and I will be helping to facilitate the Zoom video portion of this meeting. We will work alongside the chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and Cable 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows active meeting member participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to me. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Commissioner Prashant. Thank you. So today's agenda, the first item, uh, Chair Rexroad is going to go over what uh, October 23rd is going to look like, and I'll let him talk about that. Second, uh, Mary and um, Catherine and Avery are going to talk about the Western Development Plan. Is that mm -hmm. right? And then if time permits at the end, we'll take general question and answers from commissioners to, to staff. Um, and with that, I'll turn it over to Chair Rexford. Thank you, Prashant. All right, so on the 23rd, um, this is our first meeting on Monday night uh, this month. Uh, we'll be taking on the uh, wind wrecks. Um, we've dedicated the evening to this uh, meeting. There will be no other items on the agenda that night. Um, we'll have a normal, follow a normal meeting agenda, <clears throat> but be the, because of the complexity of this, we're going to be doing some things a little bit different than we normally would. Now, I want to explain that so everyone can kind of be thinking about how they might want to approach that. The ultimate goal of the night, of course, is to get to a set of regulations that we all, um, at least a majority of us, have voted approval on um, that we can then forward on. That, that's the job that we have. That's our goal. Um, we've got a unique circumstance here where as the ad hoc committee has come back with a recommendation, there's one area that the ad hoc was not unanimous on, and I've agreed to have a specific conversation about that item, and it has to do with setbacks. Um, Charlie has made a specific request for 2,500 feet versus the draft language, draft one language of 1,500 feet from a property line. So we're going to have that specific conversation. In addition to that, there's a, a request, Charlie made a request to include a setback of one mile from cemeteries in the setback table. It, cemeteries are not mentioned there at all in draft one. It wasn't in 2016, so this would be an addition to, as well. So we're going to discuss those items, um, tr try to, and this is where it's a little bit different. Um, and by the way, there, there might be other items that come up, right? So as we, as we go through the discussion, there may be other items that people want to recommend change on what was in um, uh, draft two, what the ad hoc is recommending. Um, so we'll, we'll go through those items first. And once we, once we resolve any question about other items that might be out there that, that uh, people want to discuss or propose a change to, then we're going to come to the topic of setbacks. We're going to have that discussion 
until the, the Planning Commission is settled by individual on where they want to be. And this is where it gets a little bit different. I'm going to poll the commissioners as we go to find out where you want to be on this question. And the purpose for doing that is to try to understand the consensus of the group sufficient that we can make one motion that contains the will of the commissioners across those items that gets the majority so that we can complete our work and, and send this on. Let me stop there and see if there's any questions about that. So why one motion rather than two or three or whatever other issues are brought up, why make it one motion? Well, we ultimately, Charlie, have to get to one body of code that contains those, um, whatever those values are. And working with staff, um, I, I talked about that, about having multiple votes and then doing that, and we might be able to get at that. Um, but it would require multiple passes at it back through staff and multiple meetings. It wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to do that all in one setting because what we have to have, I know you don't care about that, but what we have to have is one body of regulations that's been voted on and approved. So the approach that we're going to take is do the polling and it's, it's consistent with a vote. It's public record. So we're not very far off from it, but it gives us the chance of being able to get that done on the 23rd. That's why. Maybe I just miss the point still. Instead of having a vote on 2,500 foot setbacks, we vote on that. It's approved or not approved, polled, yeah. and then have one on a mile setback from cemeteries, mm -hmm. and there may be other issues that are brought up. I still don't understand why it would all be put together at once. Well, ultimately, it all has to be inside the regulations, right? Yes. Right. So the idea would be that as we work through the various possibilities for change, that we'll poll, voting, polling, I think we get at the same thing. And we can say, for example, I make a motion to approve the regulations with the following changes. Those changes are noted in the motion. And then once we vote, assuming that motion um, is accepted, is adopted, approved, then um, staff then has all of the information sufficient to make the changes in the document, and we're done. We do this, we do this regularly with conditional use permits and other types of things where we add or remove conditions <clears throat> at the time we make an approval. <laughs> So the practice isn't unheard of, but the complexity of, of this one, just given the potential for there being a number of things that are undecided, is there. So I just want to get everybody thinking about it, everybody ready for that conversation. I have a question before we move on. Oh, hi, Chelsea. Yes. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you saw my hand. Um, didn't want to interrupt that question, but... 
are we, are we done with that question? Um, sure. I don't know. We can sure come back to it. But please go ahead. Okay. I just had um, two questions. Um, one was you mentioned um, taking up items. Um, I just wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity for, um, so I know what some of the hotter issues are, but if other things were to come up or if something were to come up, um, but then I, I guess I just want to make sure that if I think of something or if something comes up, I can raise it again, or are you planning on like having or taking all these things and if you have anything, speak now or forever hold your peace kind of thing on it? I guess I'm just trying to figure out um, because I learned so much during the discussions and during the public comments yeah. that I just want to make sure that I um, can think about this as we're going through and not yeah. lose the opportunity to speak on something. So that was my first question. Sure. So right now, the uh, the regulations, every, every line item and punctuation is in the hands and the will of the nine commissioners who will be addressing it. And you will have every opportunity, in fact, the responsibility to uh, bring those questions and have that discussion to, to the depth and, and degree that you want to. There's no speak now or forever hold your peace until, now once we get to that vote, right, once we say, okay, is, are we all done? Is this the shape of it? We make a motion and it's voted on. Well, then from that point on, yes, we're done. Okay, of I just course. wanted to make sure that, like, I, I love the idea of having things in order. I just wanted to make sure that, like, once we pass that item, if something came up, that we could also still discuss that item until the final vote. Sure, yeah, uh, yes, indeed. And then my other question was just simply, um, to Charlie's discussion, um, I think that uh, going with this plan makes, um, makes sense, um, but it would seem appropriate, I guess, if somebody thought that, um, we needed to handle something different or make a motion on a particular item at a certain time, um, would, wouldn't each commissioner have the ability to make any motion that they thought was appropriate at the time? Um, I mean, this is a great plan and I love doing this, but we, we're not suspending our typical structure of making motions and whatnot. So Correct. Yes, that's true. We are not suspending okay. that. All I'm doing is all I'm doing is is describing the method by which I, I intend to poll the commission because it's a little unusual uh, to poll the commission with with the goal of finding out what the majority path is to a motion. Yeah, that's great. And then if Charlie or someone felt like they needed to make a motion on a particular item, of course they would be able to do that. Absolutely. Have to get a second, yeah. etc. Absolutely. Okay. And thank you for keeping us organized. You bet. Thank you. And I apologize, Chelsea. I'm, I'm not watching the screen like I should. So please, please do um, speak up if I miss it, okay? I, I apologize. I will. Thank Thanks. Thank you. All right. Any other questions on that? I want to say uh, one last thing. When, when I tee up this session on the 23rd, I'm going to spend a few minutes and walk through our meeting bylaws. Uh, it's going to be a normal meeting, normal meeting agenda, but we'll have strict rules on public comment, and that includes commissioners' engagement with the public. Our bylaws are very, very clear about what our process must be, and that's particularly important on an item that is as 
controversial as this is, it's particularly important that we follow those rules so that all members, regardless what side of the question you're on, feel that the commission is unbiased and that we're showing up that way and that everyone gets a fair opportunity to speak. If we open things back up for one, we have to open it back up for all and we're just not going to do that with the kind of turnout that we will likely have. Now, if I'm wrong on that and only a handful of people come and we need to, we can be a little bit more relaxed, we'll play that by ear. I don't expect that's what's, that's what's going to happen on Monday night though. So just a heads up on that. If there's any questions, please either bring them up now or you can reach out to me one-on-one. Um, -on -one. I have one question though for Jeff. Jeff, um, we, we are missing two of the commissioners that will be with us on that night. No, three of the commissioners that will be with us on that night. Um, am I, how do I do this? Am I in violation of COMA or CORA if I reach out to those individuals to talk about the process, the discussion that we just had? I want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to know what we're planning. It probably wouldn't be, but if it would be at the chair's discretion, we could send the link to the video of this meeting out so everybody could see the same information. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Could we please just take the action to do that? We will. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm done. Mary. Oh, thank you very much for letting us come and talk to you about this revised plan. And um, Avery, Avery Corner, Kerner, and Catherine Week and myself have been working on this for quite some time, and we're at the point we wanted to bring it to you and just give you an introduction to the plan and primarily um, introduce you to this new form of land use recommendations that we're proposing. They're a little bit different than what we've had um, typically. Our plan is Revised Western Development Plan. And we go to the next slide, Drew. Does not want to work. Interesting. Try the screen on the left. That's what I'm doing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> get your uh, space bar or enter and hope for the best. Dang it. You can't get to that bottom right arrow? Mm. Uh, yeah, I can. It just doesn't do anything. What if you just click on the right screen? Like, does it? No. If you have to leave the slideshow and just show this, the things and just go down one screen to the next, that's OK. You can try one more thing. You can right click on that right screen and see if it gives you. Hmm. Now you've it's like completely frozen. You've done all the. Uh, Arrow keys either. Those are all the greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, Kurt? A uh, crash out of the uh, PowerPoint and bring it back up. And just act like this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally normal. It happens to me every day. No. <laughs> the application is hung because your PC is responsive. That's, yeah, I can't click on anything. Can you unshare that and uh, like share it from your surface? Nope, I can't click on anything. This happens to me and I just shut the computer down. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mary's not moving in that bottom <laughs> corner. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's bizarre. 
Jeff's going to fix it. Oh, yeah. Pictures are helpful. Pictures are always helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and if we have to, I can just gesture and, and talk. Good. <laughs> I had to do that once for a, I think it was a quarry CUP that it quit working for a while, so I just had to, like, describe these <coughs> large. Areas. Yeah, it's completely frozen. <laughs> yes. So do this through interpretive dance now. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a host. <laughs> Can you just have the computer reboot? I don't know. We would need more time to prepare. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's on this, nothing is reacting. Because I'm a host, I can't go in and. Oh. What is that sequence of buttons that we're just. Control, delete. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't do anything. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. We need a guy from IT or something. Or somebody from Microsoft. I was afraid that was going to come. Where you unplug it. <laughs> Try it. Yeah, Kurt, do you want me to just power down the PC and turn it back on? Yeah, we're going to have to hang on for a couple seconds as it turns back on because all the audio from all the mics in the room combined in that computer can go to Chelsea and Steve out in Zoom land. So okay. just resetting makes sense. That's so weird because your mouse is moving. Yeah, the mouse is moving. No. Did you, did you, did you, just one last, just one more thing before yep. you. Can we? Oh, no, okay, whoops. I'll cancel out of that. You tried that. Wow. All right. I don't know that I've ever seen that combination of things happen before. Well, I registered for it, but it's not. Usually, it's either the computer overlords just won't keep us in their toes. Exactly. I need. I need a break. Okay. Can people on Zoom see the uh, yes. image now? Yes. Yep, so there it is. And see it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Just let me know when to. Okay. Okay. So we're back, and um, we're going to introduce the revised Western Development Plan. And as I said, primarily to get some of your thoughts on our revised land use recommendations. I'm going to change. Okay, so first, I would just give you like a brief rundown on area plans. This shows all the area plans we have. And um, if you want to just put your cursor on our plan, Avery, if you can. There to the west, that is the area we're working on. I can see it here. And that is the, uh, currently it's called the west of K-10 plan. But a portion of it is east of K-10, so we're going to revise it just to make more sense. It's going to be the revised western development plan. 
To the north, you have the K-10 and Farmers Turnpike Plan. And both of these plans have been before the Commission quite a few times in the last few years for revisions, you know, when development proposals have come through. Um, going on around the circle to the east, we have the Northeast Sector Plan. That's our largest plan. Uh, down to the south, we have the Farmland Industries Redevelopment Plan. And south of that, we have the Southeast Area Plan. And then south of Lawrence, we have the Revised Southern Development Plan. And then within the city limits, we have um, several plans. The smallest is at the corner of Six and Wakarusa. It's a Six and Wakarusa intersection plan. And then going to the east, you have the HOP. I can't remember what that stands for, but I know it's Old West Lawrence and Pinckney. Hillcrest, Old West, and Pinckney plan. Okay. And then um, east of that, we have the downtown master plan, and that's bounded by the Oriad neighborhood plan to the west. And East Lawrence Neighborhood Revitalization Plan to the east, and that plan is also being updated by staff right now. And so these two plans we're working to update, and other plans in the area live to the east are the 8th and Penn District Plan, and to the south of that is the Burroughs Creek Neighborhood Plan. And the one I didn't mention in the southwest corner is, I think, the Inverness District Plan. So these are plans. We want to have the area in the urban growth area surrounding Lawrence planned, so when development is proposed, and properties annex and we're ready. We have something to guide development with. So that's why there's no, there's very few plans in the center of that. Most of the planned areas are on the outside of town. Right, All yeah. about preparing for growth. Right. Why choose some of those on the inside? Is that because of uh, expected infill? Um, sometimes the neighborhoods themselves, you know, request plans, and Jeff might be able to speak better to this. Sometimes it may be for development, like downtown, you know, there's features we want to preserve. So a couple... Which is one reason why. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of ones on the inside were ones that were either filling development pressures or we're seeing some redevelopment at the time. And so that's why you see those kind of in the Inverness Park area, uh, the Oread plan. And like Catherine said, the Oread plan also brought online some overlays and guidelines associated with that as part of that process. But most of the time, the area plans were around the city. Uh, that started right at around 2007, 2008 when the economy started to downturn because we had an opportunity from staff to have resources spent on, instead of working in applications, to work on long-range planning efforts. And so that's why you see that kind of ringing around the city and that conversation that goes all the way out in, in, in one case there, Grant Township, and in, in most of the cases, a couple miles out from the city limits. Thank okay, you. and you can see in these plans, you can see the colored areas that shows the land use recommendations. You're familiar with like yellow would be low density residential, purple is industrial, red's commercial. The blue dots are where commercial nodes are expected. So that's how the plans are working today. And um, we're updating our plan to bring it into compliance with the updated plan 2040 and also as <coughs> to update it in general. So blue dots were commercial nodes expected? Yes. Which means that south area because there's there's talk of, of commercial development there now that plan's just not updated with that possibility or uh, they, they have red there for commercial and um the bypass okay i think there's a little speck of red in that um, planning area south of the bypass Boy, okay I'm, I'm in the weeds never keep going. that's okay Stop. keep going okay so, 
So with our plans, you know, the plan 2040 has the overall vision and goals for Lawrence and unincorporated Douglas County. So it's a very high level set of plans and guidelines. Then the area plan tries to focus that in to specific areas. So our goals and recommendations become much more focused. And then the land development code actually implements those rec recommendations. So it's possible when you make a plan area plan, you may have to revise the development plan. And as the development plan is being revised right now, we're working to make sure everything jives. And so we're, they're recommending more mixed use areas. And that's what our land use recommendations would be looking for. Okay. So this is our planning area outlined in blue. The um, revised Western Development Plan area. It incorporates all three tiers of the urban growth area. The blue area is tier one, that's within the city limits now. Green is tier two, that's the area that's expected to annex first, possibly within the lifespan of the comprehensive plan. And tier three is expected to annex last, and that's based on um, when we think we can get utilities and infrastructure to those areas. So it may not um, annex until the lifespan of the comprehensive plan. And so for that reason, one of the changes we're proposing is to add recommendations for land before it's annexed into the city of Lawrence, you know, to guide development while it's still rural in nature. <coughs> our plan will divide our area into three distinct sub-areas because there are three separate areas in our our planning area. We have the area that's within the city limits, and that's the area on this graphic in the blue lines that is not shaded. We have Yankee Tank Lake, and then we have all that other unshaded area. The area in red is rural area, but it's east of the K-10 highway. And then our largest area, yellow, is the rural area west of K-10. Um, the planning area has about 2,692 acres and 459 parcels. Most of the parcels are in the urban area. Uh, we have 324 parcels on about 568 acres. Most of the parcels are less than an acre. But we do have some very large parcels. Up to the north, you'll see around the Mercado, and then to the west, we have some large undeveloped areas. And around Bob's Billings Parkway, we still have undeveloped areas. And also on the south side of 6th Street. So it's a combination of small lots and then large undeveloped lots. And our rural land to the west is very diverse. It's the largest area, has about 91 parcels, and they range. We have small one-acre parcels, we have mid-range parcels, and then there are very large parcels for farms. So it's are actually much more diverse portion. So we want to make recommendations for each of these sub-areas. These, <clears throat> how did you make the determination on what these areas should be, where these lines should be? Are they based on projects that we think might be coming? Or? No, they're just based on the character of the <clears throat> land. So if you're in the city limits, you're in our urban area. Mm -hmm. If you're in the rural area, but you're east of K-10, which means you're probably going to be a place we'd be looking at development. We don't want to jump over that and start doing things west of K-10. So it's a separate subsection. Okay. And it's completely different than the area west. It's primarily a rural residential neighborhood. Right. Okay. I mean, there's a little bit of agriculture, but not much. Gotcha. So these aren't necessarily established uh, sub-districts. These are just the um, three sub-districts that we identified um, based on their existing character um, and locations that we're just calling out. In, uh. right, so we'll make recommendations for each one. And as you annex, then you'll move into the urban area. And so the urban <coughs> recommendations would apply to you. And does this tie out then with uh, the city's capital improvement plan, the, the five-year long-term capital improvement plan, where, where they might say, look, we're 
planning on building infrastructure on the uh, west side of 6th Street? Yes and no. So we did, we did <coughs> meetings with those groups, but this, is, this initial step is more high level before we hone down into that. This is strictly based on what is there right now. This is just the land here. Where is the that land located? Is, what there is today, not where we're, okay. Thank yeah, you, yeah. thank you. Okay. Are you in the city? Yeah. Are you in the county? Are you east or west Makes of sense. K-10? Yeah. That's gotcha. okay. Okay. So this just shows some images. We did some driving tours. So this is west of K-10 is primarily agricultural. They row crops, pasture. This is east of K-10, the rural area. As I mentioned, it's a rural residential neighborhood. And then on the urban side, um, this is the north portion of the urban part. It's uh, got a lot of the large lot undeveloped, but we have the hotel and the Lawrence Memorial Hospital. And then the next slide will show the southern portion. <laughs> Yeah, we have Casey's um, and that commercial area by Bob Billings. There's a residential neighborhood, and then there's some undeveloped land near Bob Billings. It's shown in that graphic. So this just gives you an idea of the nature of our planning area. And as I mentioned, this plan will be a little different than the previous plan. Our previous plan only focused on what do we do when you annex. So sometimes we'll bring a conditional use permit application to you, and it'll say, does it comply with the area plan or the comprehensive plan? And we basically say, they don't really discuss this. Um, but our plan will discuss it, and we'll base it off the comprehensive plan. Uh, but we'll talk about permitted land uses prior to annexation. Uh, we make recommendations to make sure we can maintain the rural character, to protect and maintain farmland. So we're stressing those, that it's important to protect natural resources. Um, there are conservation easements in this area already, so that's an important thing. And maintaining and preserving historic structures. There's Oregon Trail out here, so that'll be included in our recommendation. So that's a little different than what it does now. And then I'll turn over to Catherine and she's gonna discuss the intensity levels. Yeah, so then we kind of hone in on what is in the urban area. And this is kind of where our plan is trying to build in a little bit more flexibility along with what is hopefully being developed through the um, land development code revision. And so uh, looking at we're looking at utilizing a series of intensity levels instead of specific land uses for guiding the development in the plan area. And then utilizing this type of a guidance tool to adhere to plan goals, the intention is to hopefully allow for more flexibility with regard to specific land uses in the city limits. And that flexibility is intended uh, to lessen the need for things like text amendments and comprehensive plan amendments as specific developments um, come before us. And an intensity scale based on potential negative impacts um, to the surrounding um, areas, oh, sorry, should have moved that, can, can help staff kind of evaluate each individual proposal to determine if the development characteristics fall in line with what's recommended for the character in this area of, or a district plan. The intensity level scale aims to describe the recommended character of different areas based on a variety of factors. And this will enable what would be classified maybe as one use, say we'll just throw out restaurant, um, as possibly fitting into different intensity level areas based on things like the size or the character of the use or the business plan and how um, it might mitigate particular measures um, that are built into that business model for each particular business. And while this does sound a bit complicated and open to interpretation, this is kind of a funnel for what will um, be the specific regulations of the land development code. 
And this method is not intended uh, to prescribe specific design standards or recommend specific land uses by parcel. Um, it's, that would be accomplished through that approved land development code, and which would apply all of the regulatory, regulatory standards for each different uh, proposal. And with that, we have um, kind of a scale of intensity levels. Um, we're looking at what would be considered like very high to high, medium high, medium, low, and very low. And then a very high um, is something that would typically have very high offsite impacts to the surrounding area. Things like sounds, uh, vibrations, uh, heavy light spillover, fumes, any odor, smoke, dust, any electrical disturbances um, to the grid, large structures, large exterior storage areas, loading docks. Um, this would be things like heavy distribution uses or could be something like a theme park, which we don't have in Lawrence, but that could fall under the very high um, category. Um, something that just has a lot of high visible, high impact to the neighborhood is what we're looking at um, to classify as very high. We are not really anticipating to have very high um, <coughs> category in our particular district, um, although I don't know if a theme park were to come to Lawrence, something out in the county might be uh, the desired location. I don't know, we would have to look at that, but at this time we're not really envisioning anything very high in our particular district. So that brings us into the high category. And where we envision this is things that might have some noticeable impacts to the surrounding area. And they could be like high traffic generation or heavy external storage, uh, lots of external activities, um, things like display areas or recreational areas that have you know, uh, visitor participation, not passive, um, but like sporting events or- the Costco uh, fitting. Yeah. Potentially, yes, something like that, big, um, yeah. And then moving on to medium high, uh, we're looking at has like occasional high use um, elements. They might be more medium sized structures or the external activity such as a drive-through or occasional deliveries, um, maybe exterior lighting, but it's more lower impact, not a lot of spillover those type of things. And then just going down the scale to medium, um, we're looking at things that might have limited or managed impacts um, to the surrounding area. It might have compatible lighting, it has medium parking or queuing areas, not a lot of outdoor, outdoor activity, but maybe some uh, medium traffic. And then the buildings are kind of scaled to um, maybe some medium residential, so just building in that flexibility where some things can have uh, mitigated impacts uh, to the surrounding area. And then the low category we envision as it maybe has limited operation hours. It's more, you know, like nine to five. Um, it's not a lot of um, evening hours, minimal lighting, not a lot of sound and lower parking. It's either screened or buffered from the area. Um, and smaller building massing and probably no exterior storage type uses. And then very low, um, particularly for maybe our area, are things that are passive in nature. Particularly, maybe they don't have any structures or the structures are pergolas or, you know, um, they don't impact any natural resources. They might be things like nature preserves. Um, 
low-impact agriculture or nature trails or things like that. And the idea is that there could be some overlap uh, between these intensities, and not every use will have every impact um, that might be considered high or medium. And some uses may have only a couple things that are considered impacts, but they're very high, like, like you, you know, like, I'll use the theme park again. That's going to have a lot of exterior parking. It's going to have a lot of traffic, um, probably a lot of, you know, exterior lighting, and they're going to be very high impact. So those things maybe, you know, even though they don't have a lot of noise or something like that, they, they still are going to have some high impact uses. Um, and so anyway, the general idea, just to kind of get uh, your feedback on this, is you know, this is different from what we are doing currently in our land uh, area plans. Currently, we have specific uses identified for specific parcels or categories of uses. And inherently, that triggers when a proposal comes in that maybe doesn't nicely fit into one category of reuse or the use is very low impact. It's not appropriate according to the plan that prompts the applicant to have to do a comprehensive plan amendment or a text amendment to the code. Um, and this idea of flexibility is carrying through with, I think, the revision to the land development code. And so we're trying to build this into the, the higher up category as well, the area plan, so that we can easily filter down through and make it easier for everyone to not only interpret the code, but to get applications through a process. So I'll hand it over to Avery. She's going to kind of let you know where we're at. <laughs> so, well, the goal of this morning's meeting is to introduce you to the revised Western Development Plan and the different intensity levels um, and listen to any feedback or questions that commissioners have about the intensity levels. Uh, this morning's mid-month meeting is really the first time that we have sought input from outside the planning division. Uh, so after this morning's meeting, our group will work on addressing uh, any feedback that we receive from commissioners. We'll also then continue to work on gathering additional feedback on the intensity levels and revise as necessary uh, based on the feedback that we receive. Uh, once we are at a point where we have a refined draft of the intensity scale, we can then start working on identifying where each of the different intensity levels would be appropriate within the planning area, what the boundaries of those districts could look like, and then really start to finish up our initial draft of the plan so that we can start hosting public meetings and gathering public comment before bringing a, a next draft of the revised plan back to the Planning Commission. And so to recap, just a few key points before we open things up for um, questions and discussion. Uh, the reason that we are here today, uh, again, is that our group has been in the process of updating the revised Western Development Plan so that the plan reflects the community's vision and to bring the plan into alignment with Plan 2040. And during the process update, update process, uh, we have identified uh, that the intensity levels we just discussed could be a more appropriate and beneficial way to recommend what future land uses and development would be appropriate within the plan area. And because this would be a big shift in the way our plans have historically identified and recommended what types of land uses and development would be appropriate, we wanted to just take the opportunity to introduce this new concept to the commission so that the first time you're seeing it isn't when we're presenting a draft of the plan at a future planning commission meeting. Uh, this way we can answer any questions you may have about what we're planning to recommend and trying to achieve and then address any feedback uh, on what works and what may not work with the intensity scales. 
And then this is our contact information. We do have a dedicated email for the revised Western Development Plan. So if there's any uh, questions, comments after this morning's discussion, uh, feel free to, to send those our way and we can uh, look into that and help get questions answered. But now uh, we can open the floor up for questions. And that's a lovely rural mailbox from our district, so <laughs> I thought it was appropriate. Will these intensity levels be cumulative so that if you identify a very high intensity level, that includes everything that is lesser? No, I, we don't plan on it to be. For instance, very high would be like if you think of berry plastics mm -hmm. and that area. So we wouldn't want residential in that area. But it could allow, you know, or even small restaurants. You don't want to draw people there to be doing their shopping. And um, so I think we want to not include everything. For instance, if you're medium high, you can have residential. Or, or even medium is a better example. Because we're seeing that as like a mixed-use district. So you mm -hmm. could have residential. But it would be primarily something that would be compatible with the commercial nature. If you put a lot of detached dwellings in there, then you're not medium anymore. Same with low. Low would be where we'd expect to see more detached dwellings, but then it keeps the avenue open for some commercial to come in, like on corners or All right, so. commercial, yeah, or C and two, something to serve the neighborhood primarily. So we're not looking at like if you're high, detached dwellings can locate there. And we don't have it really in our minds fully yet, but I don't think we're planning on doing that. I think we're not thinking too that as you build an area, so for instance, like a medium intensity level, and then another, uh, I think this might be what you're getting at, another use comes in that's also medium, or maybe another use comes in that's medium high, and now you're in that threshold, is now this area transitioning from what we envisioned as medium high, and now it's more like a high intensity level. I don't think we're envisioning that. I think we're trying to um, keep the, the impacts that are generated from the use similar enough that each individual area would kind of maintain its own intensity. If that Time is the thing that undoes that. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Which is why we're hoping to build some flexibility and yeah. um, to And we kind of base this on the smart code. You know, we have the smart code that's optional, and we have very few people use it. And we always say, oh, if we only had Greenfield, that's where the smart code would work. And so that's kind of what we're planning is that's the option, is you go out, here's my highest intensity, then I'll be less intense and kind of had the transect. So we looked at the smart code when we developed this and tried to have that idea in our mind. So it's almost like it's, because I think our development code is going to incorporate a lot of the smart code provisions and we're not going to have a separate code. But we do want to have that kind of mixed use ability because that's what we're going towards. I was going to ask how you're thinking about the land development code update process and how that's informing what you're doing now. We're, we're close enough to it. Mm -hmm and the duration of the work you're doing, you would think you would want it to at least reflect that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And this is driven a lot by what is being discussed with the revision to the land development because they're talking about putting a lot of flexibility into that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so this is kind of how we initially came to this this concept for the area plan, so that they, they interlock a little better than just having set uses that are designated for certain parcels where um, even though their use may not, you know, have a lot of off-site impacts for the surrounding area because they're labeled as that use. They cannot go on this parcel. We're trying to 
kind of get away from some of that. Mm -hmm. Right, because I think, and we've been talking with the consultants, they come and talk with staff, so we keep up to date with what they're planning and we let them know what we're thinking. But if you think about it, if the land development code was adopted today and they have these mixed use components that they want to allow all these different types of use in an area and they wanted to go out to our Western development plan, we'd have to do an amendment right away. You know, there just isn't any place out there if you wanted to have commercial and residential in the same place. You know, they're very strictly divided. So I think it's important for us to do this change to accommodate them. But yeah. we're trying to work with them because we also want them to accommodate what we see in our plan. So it's a back and forth thing. Sure. Do you, uh, can you envision putting the boundaries around these various intensity levels? Uh, I'm wondering if you are able to take um, a survey of the area and look at where there are mostly the, the sensitive lands, areas that might be very amenable to, to saving for the very low intensity, and sort of build out from there so that those areas are protected. I do have that inventory. First. I don't think our boundaries are really even defined yet, but I think we do have that inventory of where the sensitive land areas are and where the conservation easements are. And Mary can talk a little bit more about yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And some of the recommendations, you know, like um, by Clinton Lake, where everything drains into Clinton Lake, that's a very sensitive area. So we've been working with the Army Corps of Engineers and the manager of Clinton Lake, because they'd like to see special provisions as far as drainage. So whether that means no development is permitted or any development has to have extreme stormwater measures, even when it's in the rural area. So, yeah, I think looking at the environmentally sensitive lands would be super important as we get started. We're looking at that. We're looking at changes to transportation. We met with KDOT, and they explained how they're going to change the road. And so our maps will show the new road, which that's great timing, because otherwise we'd be having to revise that right away. And um, we, did, we did have a survey, which we got a really great response. We had uh, paper surveys that we gave at our first public meeting, and we asked people where they thought commercial would be good. And they gave the answers you would mostly expect, you know, at the intersections along K-10. And, you know, it's pretty much what we would think as well. So, you know, I think once we, uh, Avery said we're going to, I think it was Avery said we're going to get ideas of where we think these intensity levels should be and maybe have two iterations of it so we can take it to our public meetings and people have something to respond to. Because it's, it's hard just to come out of your head and that, um, Really sounds good. Thank you. We're very excited about it. So we wanted to know, make sure we were on the right track. We didn't, you know, you all didn't have any issues with it, or if you had questions, it's something we could change. Go ahead, Sharon. I was just going to say, I just really like the flexibility as opposed to the, the very stringent zoning categories where we've seen <coughs> um, things change over time, desire for land use changes over time, and when it's been established. However many years ago this one was developed, I can't remember. When you have the red, the blue, the yellow. Yeah. Um, from how old is this plan? It is. We have the date somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It was adopted in 2009 and was revised in 2015, and then again in 2021. Is it is it too early for us to know what it's going to look like when a project comes to us? Like, will what will there be a difference in 
in what you guys present, in what stat, or is that too early to kind of talk? It about? should be pretty much the same. You know, there's always, whenever we bring something to you, it always asks, is it compliant with the area plan? Uh -huh. And so usually we show you a picture and say, look, it shows low density residential and it is low density residential. Uh -huh. But instead we'll say, well, this is a medium high intensity. And then we'll have to give you our evaluation of the use and how we see that it is high, medium high, or whatever it is. I see. And so at that point, you know, that's our opinion. And then you would take that and, and you would consider, do you also agree that it's medium high intensity? I see. And so, yeah, it'll be a little bit more work, I think. It, it's easier to say, yeah, it's going to be low, just like it's shown. So there'll be some determinations that have to be made. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hopefully that's done with the applicant. And, yeah. But, you know, it's possible you may disagree with us. You may say, no, I think that's a higher intensity use. But. I mean, I think I, I think I threw out the idea of a use just as a restaurant, but I don't know if I finished my thought when I mentioned the restaurant. But, you know, in our classification, we have, you know, several fast food uses, but basically it's like if you're fast food, you're either fast food or fast food with drive through But in theory, you could have way more iterations of that. For instance, you could be a walk-up sandwich shop that has no traffic at all. That's still in our classification currently would be what would be considered fast food. But if you're not meeting a queuing line, you don't need excessive parking, it could be near the campus, it is just a walk-up sandwich shop. So those kind of things, that could be in a, in a low intensity um, district, which might in our current code be classified as residential. But in this, in this iteration, it builds in that flexibility where you're looking at the actual proposal and you're saying, well, this is, this is fast food, but it really is not got right. any of the characteristics of what we normally classify as fast food. Gotcha. So. Sure. And then we would still look at compatibility because that's a big part of it, you know, because you can sometimes be compatible. You can't always say that like a, a fast food restaurant can't be compatible with a residential area mm -hmm. based on the intensity and also screening, hours, size. There's a lot of things you can look at. So I think it'll be more hands-on review, you know, as far as saying, oh, a restaurant is never compatible with a residence, you know. Right. Because I think about East Lawrence as Odessa, the little cafe, and that's very compatible with that surrounding area. Mm -hmm. Even with COVID, I mean, we had to do multiple text amendments just to accommodate some creative uses that businesses had to come up with during COVID just to stay in operation, you know, whether or not they mix their uses within their building or if they were doing curbside or, you know, I mean, we had to do multiple text amendments just to make sure that sure. all of that could happen. So hopefully this builds some of that flexibility. Sure. Um, well, it's 830. Um, do, we, do you guys have time for a few are there any other questions on on this on this subject? We're here all day. So okay. Um, <laughs> not for me. Not not okay. So if Thanks for your work on that, um, I'm looking online for uh, any any hands raised, Chelsea or uh, Commissioner Munch. You guys have any questions? Um, I'm just going to take five minutes to. I'm trying to reserve like five minutes at the end of every mid month for general question and answers with staff. Um, I don't know if, if the commissioners want to ask anything. I have, a, I have at least a couple that I'd like to ask. Does anybody have a general question for staff that they'd like answered? I, I have go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Jane. question. Go ahead, Jane. Um, and it relates to the wind, wind regs. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with the references. Um, I've had a couple of emails and telephone calls that have to do with airstrips. Mm -hmm. And uh, the wind regs refer to the FAA regulations. 
if that's going to be the reference, it should be, uh, have you considered using the um, date of those regulations? Like in, you may notice in the IRS code, it will say IRS code as of 1925. So that over time, the standard isn't changed as the FAA um, regulations mm -hmm. change. I think that's going to be important to look at those kinds of things anytime we refer to another source, another that's, regulatory source. Can that's I, interesting. Sorry, sorry, can I just, I just thank you. I, I want to um, just uh, keep us, these questions should be more general and not related to things that are going to be up coming up on our our next um, planning commission agenda. We want to be careful not stray into that. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Ooh, thank you, Becky. <laughs> um, so any, any general questions? Um, I'll ask one if, uh, so this is something that I've been on the commission for about a year and um, I think we're going to talk about it more during our orientation, but is there any way for staff to quantify what it, what it takes in terms of work and effort to go from a developer approaching you with a project to coming in front of us. Like we get to see your work for a few minutes, maybe an hour, if there's a lot of controversy or comment. But can 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 you guys give us an idea of what that takes to take it from the developer to what we see? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's weeks, sometimes months. It depends on the scale of development. It usually starts with what we term as a pre-application meeting where they schedule a meeting with, oh, sorry, they schedule a meeting with staff um, and they try to get multiple departments in the room. So we identify context issues that might be related to a specific site. You know, if there's some unique drainage or um, we go over zoning, we go over use tables, we go over what's permitted. Um, they present their idea usually with a concept, sometimes not. Sometimes there's a follow-up meeting after. Um, they usually try to give us a timeline when they're thinking they will submit an application. Uh, we give them schedules, like here's your deadlines if you're trying to get on this planning commission meeting. How long does, after that do they go to city commission? Does it need multiple public hearings? Is it administrative? Um, we try to hone all of that in for them, give them all of the upfront information, and then on their timeline they would submit an application. At that point, it gets entered into our like data system, and we have up, upwards of 15 probably staff members that are doing reviews on the particular application. You'll have the planning staff, MSO, fire prevention, building safety, um, outside reviewers like the county surveyor or um, um, utilities, Weststar, uh, Midco, they're all giving us comments. You know, they look at the application and they go, yeah, well, we have a line here, so they need to address this, or we need an easement, or that kind of thing. Um, we gather all those comments. Uh, we send out revisions. You know, these are comments that you're getting on your application. These need to be tweaked, or can you answer these questions? We need more information. Um, sometimes that goes through two or three rounds of that, depending on how complete you know, the, those applications come in and how, you know, detailed they've drilled, drilled down into it. Once that happens, then we compile all of the information, we draft a staff report, um, and then we submit staff report to Becky or whoever is reviewing those prior to commission. We have deadlines for that. It's a pretty heavy turnaround. Once we get to the staff report um, phase, we have like to get stuff to you all 
two weeks prior, so we have to get everything entered in the system like two weeks prior. Um, and then you all see that and you discuss. And sometimes it has to go after you. It will go to city commission. Um, once that happens and it's through all of the public hearings and it has its levels of approval, there's sometimes secondary applications. For instance, you all see preliminary plats. That is followed by a final plat after and then that would be another process where we do the reviews, make sure all the details are done. Or preliminary development plans which have final development plans, public improvement plans that would come after. And then after all of that, um, after all of your work is done and all of hopefully our work is done, then it goes to the building permit side or the sign permitting side. Um, and actually the planners are involved in that as well because we're assigned a review um, with those permits so that we can make sure what we've looked at and what has been reviewed and approved carries forward all the way to the, la the last permits. See. That's a synopsis. <laughs> I, I was just going to mention, also while we're doing the review, first we get all the staff comments and then we put notification out to the public. Yeah. So at that point we start getting sometimes comments yeah. from the public. Mm. And so we respond to their comments. Sometimes those are comments we pass on to the applicant, you know, if they're concerned about something, that way maybe they can change it because we want as little little issues as possible at the meeting. Mm -hmm. And then when they send public communications, we always send those on to the applicant so they're aware and we put them in your packet. And then we just try to work with the neighbors. Mm -hmm. So we don't usually have meetings with the neighbors and the applicant, but we recommend that they do if there's big issues, that they meet directly. And we usually encourage them to meet before submitting the applications. The neighbors? Yeah, to meet with the especially if it's something that might be controversial or, or we know it's probably going to upset the neighbors. We do recommend reach out to them, at least mail letters out to them, and then you can have a meeting. So we do try to oversee and make sure there's public outreach as well. Because, sorry, one of the concerns I hear commonly is the developer has a voice or the developer is able to speak to you directly, but sometimes neighbors don't know until the very end, you know, like when they get the notice. Is there, is, is that true or do they have a way to communicate with you even before the notice comes out? You know, like how early can the neighbors engage with? with they can engage us at any time. Um, so if the, if the developer has engaged with the neighborhood, they will know before the notice goes out. I see, I see. If they don't have that engagement, our notices go out 20, at least 20 days prior. So there's 20 days there that they have before um, the public hearing. So they, they can call us at any time. We're a very open department. Um, we have planner of the day as well. So we have a planner on staff um, that's designated that day to take any incoming calls um, or walk-ins if somebody wants to come and talk to a planner. And then the planner can either, if they're able to answer that question or if they need to hone in with the specific planner on the project, we can funnel it out that way. So they, there are opportunities. It's probably easier for someone who's like really tuned in right. to what is going on with all the public meetings to find those opportunities as opposed to someone who's going on about their day and right. doesn't really read or catch up on things until they get the letter and then they go, oh, what is this? Right. Um, and then they might call in to see what it is. Yeah. Um, I think we post our submittals on our website, but like you said, you have to be tuned in to know about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. At what point is it put on that GIS map of all the permits? Oh, I think it goes on fairly quickly, Becky. When we get applications, doesn't it go on that pinpoint? Yeah, map? I think it's. Uh, it, it might be like the next um, Monday. I think they do updates over the weekend. So that's a pretty quickly. early. If somebody has yeah. the technological wherewithal mm. to do that, um, they have the ability to do that. I mean, that's like the earliest yes. point. Yep. So if somebody had access 
to the GIS, had access, and, and was able to use to get yes. so they could find out very early. Yeah. Um, Right. It's a there's a submittals map that's on our on our website. But yes, Catherine was mentioning we've the planner of the day. So there's always someone in our office too that someone could call and ask questions if they don't have access to the internet or want you know have further questions that they wanted to ask. Yeah. And when the public com- contacts us, we always try to tell them how they can communicate. You know, like you can just send us comments. You can provide written communications, or you can come to the meeting. And we usually recommend do both because if they just if they just come to the meeting and they find out they only get three minutes, a lot of times they feel like I'm like if you have a lot of detail information it's good to write a letter and then come as well so we do try to work with the public and make sure that they're getting a chance to and there probably is a little bit of a, a lag between the time that a developers initially reaching out to planning staff because in reality there is a confidentiality element that sometimes these developers are still going through the contract negotiations for the property they're trying to figure out feasibility and so until the application is actually submitted any discussions with us about zoning or what's permitted on the site and that is confidential but once the application is submitted and the documents are submitted then as Becky said it gets put put on that website and everything is open to the public so yeah and if someone contacts us we can send them the plans we can send them mm-hmm. the applications all the materials but it just once the application is submitted is it too late for public to have input no oh no oh, That's okay mm-hmm. okay Right. Everyone's going to have input at that point because all they've had is our pre-applications. Mm-hmm. So staff is going to make comments. The public can make comments. And like I said, we, sometimes the comments, we really like it if they can be addressed. You know, it's a, yeah. They're just worried because the building is too close to my house or mm-hmm. it's, and they can address it. And that person is happy. Yeah. And with the pre-application meetings, a lot of times well, if an application has big issues, it never moves forward. And that's why you don't see us here with a lot of denial. Yeah. Recommendations. It's not that we're just pushovers, but <laughs> that we've talked to them, and sometimes they're like, "Well, there are major issues, and staff can't be supportive." And sometimes they'll change their application. So. And sometimes it requires a lot of research. So even in the pre-app phase, or you know, even right after the pre-application meeting, the planner is required to do a lot of research to find out the history of the property and when did zoning change, and you know, if any anomalies that are happening with that particular site. Um, and so things can change between the pre-app and the time they do the submittal. So hopefully we get as many questions answered as possible. But Any other questions for staff before we close? And if there aren't, I did have a couple updates to Oh, sorry, quick. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I like this. I like this. Is this section, yeah. Though. Yeah. Prashant, thanks thank for you. doing it. Yeah, thank right. you. Um, so this is our last mid-month meeting of the year. Uh, thank you for being a part of, of it. Um, that's because in November and December we have accelerated planning commission dates for the holidays. So um, we didn't want to, you know, impose too much on your schedules. Um, and then also um, because in December, on December 8th, put a plug in for that again, we have our um, orientation for planning commission. So. Um, Thank you all for attending uh, these throughout this year, and we'll pick it back up next year. Um, and then um, I wanted to put a, a plug in for the Land Development Code Update Steering Committee. Um, there will be we'll, we'll get a, be getting the agenda out here um, within the next couple of days, but that meeting is scheduled for October 19th, so next Thursday, and that's that'll be from four to six, and that is in um, back in the planning office in that large conference room. And it'll be hybrid. Pardon? Module two is out. Yeah, it will. It it'll that'll be the discussion. It'll be included in the agenda that part. part. And it's hybrid and can be um, uh, watched later on YouTube if that um, if you're interested. And then um, the I know Denny sends out kind of the. Uh, um, uh, 
preview of our Planning Commission agendas um, when the, our legal notice is sent to the paper. Um, we'll be posting our agenda next week for you, but just wanted to give you a heads up that, you know, as we discussed Monday is our wind regs. Um, Wednesday, uh, uh, there were a bunch of applications um, for development south of town, south of um, uh, Highway 10. Those have been deferred by the applicant, so your Wednesday night got a lot shorter. So just to give you that that update. Okay, that was it. Thank you. Thanks, Becky. Becky, would you remind me of the November and December meeting dates? Yes. Uh, November's meeting dates are November 13th and 15th. And then in December, they are December 18th and December 20th. Thank you very much. We'll have all four. Well, we don't know yet. Or? It you know, kind of depends on the, yeah, yeah. the, the agendas, sure. but pro likely. I would right. plan on it. All right. Thank you. I think that ends our meeting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thanks, Prashant. Thank you. Sure. I'm going to take lambs to the market.